let's see here. Um, this is for me, like Nerd City. Uh-huh. Um, this is uh, episode number fifty-three. Okay, Badass Records podcast, hanging with James Inman. How's mm-hmm. it going? Fine. Um, and it's cool because that's if if I'm dropping an episode a week, it's the official start of year two. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. So, All like, right. I'm yay, uh-huh. yay for me. You know. Yeah. Uh huh. But um, so we uh, have known each other for uh, 10 years. um, Yeah, uh uh-huh. Through through our... Your current and my former uh, significant uh, other who... uh, Are both therapists. ...like to earn money for... Is this on right now? Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, (laughs) it can be. We get to say, (laughs) you know, like, uh, if we need to stop for whatever, I'll let it roll and then I'll cut it out later. all all right. Um, but are you are you born and raised, Casey? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Siblings? Uh, just one sister. Okay. Yeah. Older or younger? Older. Okay. Uh, mom and dad meet. Uh, my parents. Yes. Oh, they they got married young. Um, I think my dad was eighteen. My mom was like seventeen oh, or damn. something. Okay. And they they just kind of eloped and and uh, they drove down to Oklahoma on New Year's Eve with another couple and they got married on new year's day wow in like 19 like 60 okay and it, i was born right around the time of uh the cuban missile crisis oh shit okay yeah. so um you know uh who is in office for that uh kennedy uh, okay i thought so yeah yeah i mean so wild. i mean i'm trying to track back maybe that's why i'm so obsessed with nuclear war because are I was you born right during the cuban missile crisis uh, how long has that been an, an official yeah I'm, I'm yeah i'm uh i'm 60 so okay. i mean it's it's 2023 but the cuban missile crisis was 1961 mm-hmm. or something like that maybe i was conceived during the cuban missile crisis. i don't know but um but you're obsessed with nuclear war yeah, that was one of my things when I was growing up. Um, you know, like kids today. I mean, I'm old. I don't understand. I mean, I'm totally down. I have my own ideas about um, gender and uh, oh my God. transgender, you know. and All of it. All of it now. <laughs> um, and and but the, the, it's my my ideas are different from the right wing and and a little bit different from the the average. I actually dated a professor of gender studies no and kidding. multiculturalism from the University of Washington, who went on to become um, a New York Times bestselling author who wrote White Fragility. Oh, so most of my girlfriends you for the dated past- that author. Yeah, I was. Uh, I've already said this on another podcast. I don't think she'll ever find out. She won't listen to this podcast. But her name is Robin De- D'Angelo. Uh-huh. I used to date her. She okay. was like, and at the time, well, I mean, date her. I I had an affair actually <laughs> because I was with another feminist at the time. Oh, so boy. I mean, I I wow. like had a long string of feminists. Uh, and lesbians and bisexual women that I've dated. I've only been attracted to like bisexual women. Okay. I mean, Brenda okay. is bisexual. Oh, she yeah. is? Okay. Well, she was with a woman for like 10 years before she met me. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah. And so she doesn't like me joking about it, but sure. I mean, I tell her I, I, I brought her back over to the dark side. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, or another side that starts with D yeah, and ends with but, K. Yeah. I mean, here's, I mean, my, uh, we'll just get right into it. My, um, my thoughts on on um 
this whole transgender thing when these stupid they're they're called scientific rationalists where they they go well we dna says that this is a man because it's got an xy chromosome and this is a woman because it's got a yy chromosome so we know exactly what a man is and exactly what a female is and i'm like yeah but that doesn't that has nothing to do with consciousness like consciousness is beyond anything material consciousness is not material we don't even scientists don't even know what consciousness is and and so there's there's like this huge gray area of of um and and, and people want to find out who they are and so they they use the term identity Right, you know, right. but to me, identity just means consciousness. It, it means mind, spirit. Sure. Who are you? Your soul. So, um, so to me, uh, a male or a female is a state of mind. You okay. know, you can tell. Sure, you can tell that that's that's a woman. Oh, for and, sure. And yeah. I'm not going to check his DNA or her <laughs> DNA. Right, right. I'm like that is somebody that is acting and wants to be identified as a woman. So, um. What's it matter? It do, it doesn't. Yeah. However, however, mm-hmm. uh, what sort of uh, emphasis or importance do you put on uh, pronouns and making sure that you are addressing? Well, okay. Here's another thing that a lot of people don't think of, and this is never brought up. Um, uh, I did a lot of. I I used to read a bunch of books on the brain, <clears throat> and um, uh, they did studies with the brain where they took, you know, people had tumors in certain parts of their brain and they've had to take parts of their brain out. And there's this lateralism or, um, where there's the left and right hemisphere. But when people are like, you can learn a language easily before the age 13, for some reason, if you're, um, exposed to like two or three different languages, when you're growing up, you can learn them real quick. Right. But after you're 13, it's harder to learn languages okay. and also brain injuries. Like if you get a brain injury after the age 13, it, usually it's kind of hard to get over it, but like a baby, I mean, babies can have brain injuries, you know, and then th- the brain will rewire itself and and even there's there's people that have lost half of their brain and that half that they had left rewired into a left and right hemisphere well and if you learn a lang- another language young like doesn't that open up like possibilities for learning uh, stuff yeah that you yeah might yeah have- but after the age of 13 so people like from our generation it's harder to to you know miss um you know to mix and match he, she, they, them, all that. But if you're raised with it, you can do it easily. Of you course, know? So of when course. These, when yes. these kids Good go, point. how hard is it to do? Well, it's it's hard. It's hard it's for different. me because yeah. it's yeah. hard for me to learn a new language. Right. You know, and that's kind of what you're, when you talk to them, they have their own, they have their all their buzzwords, all their language. When when you talk to them and you use yeah. the words that they use, they know what you're talking about. You know, if I, so when I was growing up, the thing we worried about was nuclear war. Right. We didn't think about, you know, gender or homosexuality or transgender. We were worried that, you know. The earth was going to. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to be extinct. Yeah. And so now we're, you're, you know, this this whole war in the Ukraine is, you know, it's it. there's some people that have been saying that we're closer to nuclear war than we were during the Cuban Missile Crisis. We got people like 
Noam Chomsky and and um, uh, <laughs> the guy uh, Henry Kissinger both agreeing that we should not have anything to do with Ukraine. Oh, Hen- for real? Yeah, okay. Hen- yes. Um, uh, Henry Kissinger is a psychopath. All right. <laughs> I mean, he's a war criminal. And even he says we should get the <laughs> fuck out of Ukraine. All right. That's what I'm talking about. Do we have people over there? Well, we're not supposed to, but come on, you know we got CIA and we got, you yeah. know, we got people, we got, right. uh, um, we don't have, technically, we don't have boots on the ground. Don't get me started on Ukraine, because I could go all, all all day on that. Well, uh, are we supposed to be talking about we, We'll get there, we'll get right, there. Right. Um, are you a Jesselnik fan? Not really. No? Have no. you? Do you know his bit about he- dropping babies? <laughs> oh, uh-huh. I haven't fact, heard that. I don't think I've ever held a baby to completion <laughs> you don't like yeah. him though well i see i'm a big bill hicks fan and so when i see these guys like jesselnick i don't see him as being that edgy you know i mean well he's his whole thing is to turn the joke on its head in yeah. a different way that you didn't right see but i mean people look at, at these these new comics like you know bill burr you know like all of these guys like doug stanhope bill burr uh even uh, Dave Chappelle and uh, Jesselnick, I mean, they're so they're supposed to be the edgy comics, you know, but none of them have the balls like Bill Hicks did. You, I'm sorry. So his his second bit hour, <coughs> second Netflix special opens with uh, hanging out with his friend, and his friend has a wife that's like Jesselnick, yeah, oh yeah, overbearing, and uh-huh. like she doesn't like him to hang out with him because mm-hmm. he's a bad influence and. So they hang out this one time, and she calls him, and uh, she goes, I think you're a bad influence. Uh, I heard you, uh, he, he, he called me, he called me a bad word the other day, and I think it's your fault. And he goes, uh, did he call you a bitch? And she goes, no, Anthony, he didn't use the B word. And he goes, did he call you a cunt? And she goes, no, Anthony, she, he didn't use the C word. And he goes, then he didn't hear it from me. <laughs> Oh, that's I love it. funny. Yeah. But see, that's just that's misogynist. I mean, well, Hicks was talking about what's the he's talking about these guys had they had a weapons catalog pulling up things. What's G thirteen do? Well, it says it it destroys everything but the fillings in their teeth. Pull up G thirteen. I mean, he was talking about the Iraq War during the Iraq War. I mean, we don't have any of these comics talking, or any of these comics talk about war, and we've been at war for like twenty years. Uh, I mean, that's what's so frightening to me is there's no anti-war movement. Have you seen? It's so funny. Have you seen some of these anti-war protests? There's like fifteen people. You know, I mean, Americans are just. We used to have the huge anti-war movement in this country in the '60s, and even yeah, during oh, the first yeah. Iraq war. Yeah. You know, I, I picture mean, the scene in Forrest Gump mm-hmm. around the Lincoln. Yeah, the, it's just that's gone. Tens All of, of that's thousands gone. of people. Yeah, and now the liberals are becoming the new uh, warmongers, which is like I'm old enough to remember that liberals were not pro-war. Yeah, and it's like almost all of them voted uh, yes to um, send like what is it something like we're we're scheduled. I don't know if they voted the second time, but we're going to send Ukraine. One hundred billion dollars. Do we have we're, that? <laughs> well, actually, I mean, we're supposed to. We we're in some kind of debt crisis right now, and 
I watch CNN every day, and they they were talking about we've passed the debt limit, and uh, the uh, the government's going to shut down if they don't decide on what they're going to do about the debt limit. Now, do you give a shit at all about what somebody might say to uh, hearing the sentence? I watch CNN every day. Um, the your shit is left wing, and it's controlled oh, by the fucking. No, see, to me. Um, I'm, I'm like left of Lenin. I mean, to me, all of them are, I mean, the, the difference between Fox and CNN, uh, or, and MSNBC, they're just, they're, they're arguing about cultural issues. All of them agree on war. On the stuff that really matters, you know what I mean? I mean, they argue about Trump and, and Biden, but I mean, come on. Um, the, a lot of people don't remember when Trump first got elected, there was this uh, Schumer. What's his name? Uh, the the Senator Schumer was, was talking to um, uh, on MSNBC with the, the girl. What's her name? Um, not Marla Maples. Um, she's the commentator with the glasses on MSNBC. I'm the wrong guy to be asking. Oh, because no you don't right. watch the no, news. No, not oh, at all. Not all right. right. See, I'm not. I'm horrible with names. That's anyway, okay. I'll never forget. I was. I remember watching that when Trump got elected. It was um, um, Schumer, the senator. I can't remember his first name. Anyway, he goes. Uh, yeah, he's uh, going up against the intelligence agencies. You know, Trump, he was pissing off the intelligence agencies, right? Okay. And I remember some stuff coming out on CNN right around that time where uh, Trump was, like, trying to choose his own secret service, you know? And they were like, they're like, we can't have him choose his own secret service, right? Now he's pissing, pissing off the intelligence agencies. And, um, uh, um, God, it's going to bug me. I can't remember the guy's first name. You're going to have to cut all this That's out. That's all good, man. Cut all this out. Fucking Schumer. Uh, Schumer. S-C-H-S-C-H-U-M-E-R. Senator. <laughs> um, oh, God, I'm going to. Chuck Schumer. Okay. Um, He's he was the one... on Rachel Maddow. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know right. who that is. Yeah. And they were sitting there talking, and um, he goes, "Oh, he's pissing off the intelligence agencies. He he, this is not very smart of him because the CIA has six six days, six weeks to Sunday to get him back. Do you remember that line? They, no, they keep get him bring, back. Well, they they have this. The intelligence agencies have six days to Sunday uh, to." I'll find the actual quote, but it was frightening, basically. Weird. Yes. And what that means is ever since Kennedy, everyone's been wondering, um, you know, Eisenhower said the same thing. He warned us about the military industrial complex. Truman, he when he signed the National Security Act, there are certain things in there like the CIA is not supposed to work inside the United States. They're only supposed to collect intelligence. The CIA wasn't even supposed to do covert actions. But right when Alan Dulles gets a hold of, you know, he becomes the head of the CIA, he, they start doing covert actions right off the bat. You know, Whoa. illegal shit, you know, breaking laws in other countries, you know, overthrowing governments, Guatemala, you know, whatever, you name it. I, I mean, we had a secret war in South and Central America that went on for like, you know. I had a, I had a dude from the Dominican on and uh, uh he was like the united states has invaded the dominican twice yeah. once to uh install 
uh, Democratic leader of sorts, uh-huh. and then 65 years later, when that guy was now like a, a horrible uh, dictator, yeah. they invaded again to get him out. Oh, right. Uh-huh. I was like, that uh-huh. sounds, sounds like us. Well, I mean, I don't even where am I going with this? Um, uh, the six weeks to Sunday to get him back. And so... And the, I'll give you an example. They're talking about these. Um, Trump had some uh, some uh, top secret um, documents that they found, right? Uh, yeah, at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, and now they're talking about how Biden had some top secret documents. Oh, great! You know, I mean that. At least we're consistent. <laughs> One thing they're not talking about, which is really odd, is the Twitter files, which are these things that uh, after Elon Musk. Uh, took over Twitter. He released all this, all this information, all this, all these facts about how our intelligence agencies, FBI, CIA, blah blah blah, are and Democratic Party and Republican Party were just basically calling up Twitter and going, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta block this guy or shadow ban him or make it so nobody can see this tweet." Really frightening stuff, and they're not talking about it on Fox. They're not talking about. I, they might be talking about it on Fox. I don't watch Fox. But do they? They know <laughs> that this. Oh, it's there's like seven of them that came, that came out. Matt Taibbi has been the one, and uh, this other New York Times uh, journalist, I forget her name, but they've been um, there's seven of them, and they they show you just plain as day how our intelligence agencies were in cahoots with Twitter. To manufacture consent, you know, to mold Twitter to where certain things don't become viral, certain things don't start trending, you know. So, I mean, for me, I'm old enough to remember. I know people freaked out when Trump was elected. I didn't like the guy either, you know. I didn't. I've never voted Republican, but um, when he got elected, uh, it was obvious that the mainstream media had a hard on to dis- somehow discredit him sure and and but you but one of the reasons why i think the big reason why the mainstream media and the intelligence agencies and everyone that has real power in america they didn't like the fact that trump wanted to bring the troops home trump wanted to put an end to these wars people forget obama ran on an anti-war platform obama promised to bring the troops home he gets in office he couldn't do shit obama couldn't even close down guantanamo obama said he was going to close down guantanamo guantanamo why would he want to do that because people after after 9-11 people were tired of this this um this global war on terror after bush couldn't find those weapons of mass destruction people are like something stinks to high heaven here this smells like bullshit so by the time Obama got into office, I remember him talking about bringing the troops home from Afghanistan, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, yeah, let's, and we voted right. him in. He got in. He didn't do shit. He, he actually started a, a secret war against Syria to try to get Assad out. Obama, like, blew more people up with drones than Bush did. No shit. Yeah. And then so so this went on for eight years. Trump, he starts, I remember when he was running against Hillary Clinton, and I knew right when he was going to lose was when they were having those debates and Hillary Clinton started talking about how Assad was dangerous. 
I was like, oh shit, here we go. She's going to start talking some pro-war hawkish bullshit about Assad. She's going to lose because people are tired of war. Interesting. It's, and so Trump gets in there. Uh, he he made those jokes about weapons of mass destruction. You know, Bush, remember when Bush ran against, in the primaries against Trump? Uh, no. Oh, you don't? Know, we uh -uh. weren't watching well, I mean, people people hated the Bushes. That's why not, they wanted not, Trump. Uh, a different Bush, mm -hmm. not one of the two Bushes that have already been in office, um, right? Like Jeb or something? yeah, it was Jeb Bush. Okay, yes, and I so remember he that. Yeah. nobody liked him. No, they wanted Trump. Yeah, oh, and they wow. wanted they and Trump was talking about like doing something with these wars, like putting it like he didn't want to go into Syria. You know, he wanted to bring the troops home from Afghanistan. This is a Republican. A lot of people don't realize. When I was growing up, Republicans were the right-wing, warmongering assholes. Feeding that military-industrial comp. Right, right, right. But, I mean, Eisenhower's Republican, but, I mean, he Eisenhower warned us about the military-industrial complex. But Which means that going to war is a business that we need to participate in to keep yeah, yeah. money. Yeah, it, 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 it happened. Basically, they get so much power... Um, the intelligence agencies and the military industrial complex get so much power that they end up running everything. Oh, that's okay. why I brought up those those uh, top secret files that that they found, uh, you know, Trump had at Mar-a-Lago. And now they're talking about the top secret files that Biden had. Well, last time I checked, the president runs the country, not the CIA. You know, that was why At Eisenhower least that's, that's what's us. in our social studies books. Yeah, so books. who's running this shit show anyway? Is know. it the CIA or is it the, the, you know, the president? Right. That's what's frightening to me. Not that Trump was frightening. I didn't like him. Never voted Republican. Day in my life. But it was obvious that they had some kind of hard-on to get him out of office or try to twist his arm to bomb somebody or, you know, I mean, they, they wanted to, they wanted to, um, start funding that, that war in Ukraine, you know? Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think they've, this war in Ukraine has been, has been planned for a long no time. Shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They've got documents. Dude, don't even get me. You've already got me started. I've been <laughs> wanting to talk about this for so long. I know because I've, when I was growing up, all I read were books on national security, intelligence, CIA. Seriously? Oh, I read, I can't count how many books on the CIA. At I've what read. age are you reading mm -hmm. this shit? Well, I'm talking not conspiracy books. I'm talking books at the goddamn library. Yeah, yeah but how old are you reading all I'm this? I'm 60. No, when you're reading this stuff. Oh, I was in my 20s and 30s. Wow. This okay. is before the internet. Sure, sure. You know, so you can't, I was just interested in the CIA. So, um, I can remember reading books uh, about uh, the CIA and, and Operation Paperclip where they were talking about how Alan Dulles protected the Nazis in Ukraine so they didn't have to go to the Nuremberg trials. And we have been... Is this the same dude that the Alan air, Dulles, airport is named after? Uh, yeah, Dulles Airport, yeah, but okay. it's named something else now, I think. Okay. Uh, but Alan Dulles was like the first head of the CIA, and he was just this complete uh, 
creep. For um, real? But, oh yeah, yeah. They they think that he had it. He he. They, some people think that he might have been responsible for shooting Kennedy. That's Jesus how much Christ. of an asshole this guy is. Okay. Right? But but I mean, forget that. But my point is, these kids today they don't know their history. I remember reading books at the library about how the CIA sub supported, armed, and funded the Nazis that were left over in Ukraine to fight the Cold War. I remember reading that. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is the people are like, oh, that's Putin propaganda. That's Russian propaganda. They've got documents. You can go to... Um, you can go to the CIA's own website because they've released documents. They have wow. documents they've declassified from the Cold War where you can see with your own eyes from the CIA's website that they were supporting Bandera. Stefan Bandera was the the, the Nazi that, um, that was like everyone looks up to as a hero now in Ukraine. But... Um, but yeah, those pictures aren't fake. Those videos aren't fake. Um, in 2014, I remember watching about the the coup in Ukraine and seeing all these red flags. Those red flags that they're flying, they flew during the Maidan coup. The, those red flags are from the O um, ONB, the UNB, um, Ukrainian National um, OUN. Uh, the um, Organization of Ukrainian Nationals. The OUNB was uh, Organization of Ukrainian Nationals, the Bandera faction. Stefan Bandera was uh, the fucking Nazi that collaborated with the Nazis when they went into Ukraine during Operation Barbarossa. The Nazis, when they invaded Russia, they went through Ukraine. Half of Ukraine collaborated with the Nazis, became Nazis. They had part of the Holocaust in Ukraine. You didn't know this? Uh-uh. Okay, yeah. They, they <laughs> like over 100,000 Poles, Jews, and Roma people were, like, like we're talking pits where they shot them, and, and we're talking real genocide. Wow. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, NATO... Right after the war, NATO started fucking hiring two, two chairmen's of NATO were ex-Nazis. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Wow. I, you can look that up and look it up on Wikipedia. So, I mean, I guess, how did I get started with this? This wasn't just recent Russian propaganda. Okay. This is books that are from publishing companies there's no way in hell putin could go back in time and change all those books in the library about world war ii and the nazis and ukraine and operation paperclip and there's just no way it could be fake fucking propaganda you know and so people today because you know um we're now funding an army in ukraine they're like oh no that's just that's um that's just Russian propaganda, you know, because Putin, that was one of his reasons why he went into Ukraine is to uh, he called it denazify. Um, but, dude, you could look. Um, you, there's lots of videos it's, and, and a lot of news 
stories from Western mainstream, like Time Magazine, New York Times, MSNBC, Vice Magazine. There's there's articles in 2014 that were talking about this fucking Nazi problem in Ukraine, right? But then after the war started, all of a sudden, uh, just, all of that disappeared just because just because Putin said, yeah, there's a Nazi problem in Ukraine. Oh, he's full, you know, because we've been sitting through that fucking four years of Trump Russia gate. Right. Which was that founded in they any They never kind found of- any evidence for that. I told some of my friends at the time, I said, dude, all I can tell you is every time they pound something in your head every day on CNN, it turns out it's a pack of lies. What happened with weapons of mass destruction? They talked about that every day on CNN. For what happened? Years. Yeah. They finally went over there. They didn't have any weapons of mass destruction. Iraq was never a threat. They, but they talked about it every goddamn day. So, you know, fast forward 10, 20 years, whatever. Here's Trump. They're talking about Russiagate every goddamn year. I mean, every well, why, goddamn did, why day. did they start saying in the first place that uh, Putin was meddling with our election? Well, yeah, well, yeah. Where the, did that the, come the, from? The, the evidence for that was never. And see, when I when I talk about this, people are like, oh, you must be a Trump supporter. No, I'm just like, I'm obviously somebody's lying here because there's no way in hell that uh, Russia with uh, I mean, when they actually looked at how many posts they were people are oh the russia they're putting memes on facebook you know and and uh most of the twitter accounts are russian bots yeah yeah they when they really looked into that evidence they they didn't find much of anything and and even the memes that they were supposedly those memes were the ones that are that were um dividing the country making people uh vote uh for trump i mean it just didn't add up to me it i mean facebook is was funded by the CIA. Facebook, I mean, pretty much we run the entire goddamn internet. We make all the CPUs. I mean, they're made in Taiwan. I just watched this other thing today. Um, uh, uh, it was a video about the whole chip. Um, um, we've got the CPU um, uh, chip war going on with China. With China and Russia haven't they didn't start building their own cpus until like 2007 i mean they're just now starting to build their own chips all of the chips 90 percent of them are made in taiwan they make them there but we design okay we make all the software we put in all the back doors um, pretty much all the goddamn chips in the world are run by the United States. The NSA is going to put a back door in every fucking CPU in the country if we're the ones designing them. There's going to be a back door in every fucking hard drive. Every Not mine. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> I'll guarantee you there is a there's a chip in that laptop right there. It was designed by the United States. It probably has a back door that the NSA can go into. So you can't tell me that Trump's I mean that Putin somehow got away with like hacking our internet by sending uh, memes to people to control the election. That is literally what the NSA's job is to watch the goddamn internet, to make sure that nothing like that happens. That's literally what the CIA's job is. They go to other countries and flip elections. The CIA knows about elections. I mean, they pretty much funded Facebook. Facebook was 
was uh, funded by this uh, by InQtel, which is a an intelligence. Um, it's like a um, oh, what do you call it? A, a um, now I'm going to sound stupid. Um, <laughs> no, uh, InQtel is 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 like a um, it's like a um, a Wall Street um, investment firm that funds CIA projects. And so the CIA, when they first saw Facebook, they're like, oh, this is perfect. I mean, come on, think about it. Twitter and Facebook are perfect for controlling and manufacturing consent all over the world. If we wanna, that's why China and Russia, they don't have, I mean, you know, you can't really have Facebook in like China for yeah. China got rid of their Twitter and Facebook. They had got their own Twitter. This, but this is these platforms are consent for what you could you could like um, you could mold uh, people's um, you could manufacture Thinking. consent. You could manufacture you could trend certain topics and and uh, suppress other topics. You could uh, you could um, help uh, certain candidates that you like, and you could make other candidates look bad by just molding the algorithms of of twitter and facebook to get people you know? to think a certain yeah yeah okay. because before before we had facebook and twitter the cia used to have to go around handing out pamphlets you know right remember remember free, oswald free distribution yeah um, i mean remember oswald he 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 infiltrated the fair play for cuba committee he was on the street handing out pamphlets come to my meeting well, we don't have meetings now. We all of that shit is done on Twitter and Facebook. So, of course, it's going to be a gold mine for the CIA if they want to if they want to flip elections in other countries. That's how they started all those color revolutions in in um in the in the goddamn um, Middle East. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, they want freedom in the Middle East." Yeah, they also have Facebook and Twitter. Cuz I I remember when uh, some of those color revolutions started like in Iraq. There's a little story came out. It was like Twitter's helping uh, the 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 revolution in in uh, Egypt, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Because that just like a little light bulb went off on, on top of my head. And I'm like, "Oh no, shit! They are. They could use Twitter and Facebook to mold revolutions." And of course, that that story just disappeared from the fucking internet. It was like something I saw like one day, and it was gone the next day. And I was like, "That makes sense." Um, and so things like you know these these so-called uh, civil wars that start in Syria, uh, Ukraine, whatever. How do you think that shit gets started? Not by not by pamphlets, pamphlets and meetings. Yeah, <laughs> not by. They're doing it all on Facebook and Twitter. Well, I have Facebook uh, down as a note to bring up. I mean, you uh, <sighs> you give zero fucks. <laughs> I can't believe it. You're like we, the poster. We should erase everything. I just because <laughs> I can't believe you got me started on this. Well, I oh, hey God. man, all I did was ask how uh, your parents. I'm not, met. So I'm not. I've never been a Trump supporter. Never in my life. I don't think you're coming. I don't think you're coming across as one. I I'm don't just think an old man who remembers how shit used to be. I hated. I hated Reagan. All right, didn't like trickle Bush. down e economics. Didn't make you wealthy. I voted for Dukakis for fuck's sake. Right, right, right? same. So, yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't old enough, but I would have. Um, but um, one more point I wanted to make because I got I got down a rabbit hole and I sound like conspiracy nut. But just to simplify, what happened is during this twenty year global war and terror, um, I had a couple um, relatives, like a, a nephew, that was in 
in uh, he he was actually JSOC. He was he was he went to Afghanistan and Iraq. Like J- JSOC. Yeah, JSOC. It's like a a secret um, military uh, group that does a lot of secret shit in other countries. But but he had been over to Iraq and Afghanistan eight times. Okay, and he's my nephew. I grew I grew up with him. He's a Republican. His dad's a Republican. His mom's a Republican, right? But I remember talking to him, and he was like, I'm tired of this war. I'm tired. I'm not going over there anymore. I've been over there eight fucking times, and it's not good. I'm not doing it anymore. And so it kind of makes sense to me that most of the people that fought the war, the global war on terror, were probably Republicans because Republicans are the ones that always join the army. So when the... When this when this global war after 9-11, you know, when the war started, all these Republicans signed up or their dads were in the military. Their grandpa was in the military. They're in the military. Most of the people that have been fighting the global war and terror were Republican. Let's face it. I mean, neocons got us into the war anyway. All right. But but my point is the reason why by the time Trump came around, Trump as a Republican, when he started talking against the wars when he started saying he's going to bring people home from Syria and Afghanistan and Iraq he started criticizing the global war on terror that's when a lot of republicans said fuck yeah i'm tired of this war too oh, for real yes okay. my brother's been over there eight times i've been over there eight republicans times republicans in regular life not I'm saying not republicans in... in regular life okay. finally got tired of fighting this fucking war I've got a couple friends on Twitter um, that I know, um, and I I know two military guys, both of them. When this thing started in uh, Ukraine, I remember him tweeting, there's no fucking way you're going to get me to go over there. And I know this guy. He's he's born military. He's been, been over there eight times, and he's like, no, I'm not fighting another war. And really, if you look at it, it's... The American people would not go for it. If, if Biden tomorrow said, yeah, we're sending troops to Ukraine, people are like, fuck you. You know, I mean, the most they can do is send them money for, you know, weapons and shit. But as it's really just a proxy war against Russia so we can weaken Russia, you know. So anyway, I wanted to get that out. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so... Oh, so are your are your folks still around? <laughs> um, yeah, um, are my they... folks are still. I was just over there last night watching the game. Okay, and they're, so they're still together. Uh huh. Nice. Yeah. Uh, did they put music on in the home when you were growing um, up? Yes, yes. What did they? What were some of the stuff they were they were into? Well, I remember the first album I had was um, Meet the Beatles. Okay. Okay. This and is I, your own record. I can not tie theirs? this into the military industrial complex. Please okay. do whatever you feel okay. like doing. So, um, my uncle went to Vietnam, and I remember. Uh, before he went to Vietnam, he came over to our house and he was, you know, I think it was one of those things where I got to go to Vietnam. So I'm going to come visit my, um, my we'll sister. We'll have a meal together and send yeah, off. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him being kind of sad and everything. And, and he was giving away stuff. Cause you know, like he Yikes. was like, he was like w- worried he was going to die probably. Cause he's going to Vietnam. You know, this was 1965 or 67. And he gave me um, 
he was giving away his records. He gave me Meet the Beatles. Okay. And so the first album I had was uh, Meet the Beatles. I used to listen to it all the time. And this what age for you? Oh, I was probably five or six okay, years old. Okay. I was in first or second grade. Sure. Because I remember after listening to that album, I remember looking at girls for the first time, like, oh, she's cute. Oh, I wonder what her name is. You know, I, I want to hold her hand. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And um this the next the very next album I had was my mom uh we were at a garage sale and I was flipping through albums. I was probably a kid, like second or third grade. And I bought Magical Mystery Tour okay. by the Beatles. And so I, I listened to that every day on my little, uh, I had a little turntable thing. Like you know, in your room? In my room. Nice. Yeah. My dad had a big stereo. Okay, that I could okay. He had Sony speakers and we had that stereo, you know, all up until I was, you know, 18, you know, years old. Nice. But we had that stereo, which is when I was growing up, like in high school, that's when I was, I was listening to Pink Floyd. I was listening to Rush. I was listening to, to Yes. So those are my my favorite uh, bands uh, in my teens. Probably was uh, Rush, Pink Floyd, Yes, and um, so. And mo- did, when mom and dad would put on music, what were they? Oh, I think my dad um, early on uh, it was uh, Simon Garfunkel. Okay. So I can remember them listening to things like The Boxer sure. and uh, Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Yes. But then um, there was a time when my dad um, went from uh, that kind of music to, well, he Chuck Berry. Sure. Uh, I know he's a big fan of Chuck Berry and Simon Garfunkel. But then all of a sudden, I don't know what it was, but he started listening to country music. Interesting. Yeah. So he became a big country music fan. And, you know, Has I, he stayed in that lane ever since? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. You know. Um, what about mom? Um. She's always been an Elvis Presley fan of Elvis Presley. Okay. And she actually saw Elvis when he came to uh, Kemper Arena. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Uh, He was still alive. You know, I think he died in 77. Yeah, but so Kemper, 74, 72, something. Okay. Okay. A brand new facility, basically, at the uh, time. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, Are you okay beverage-wise? You need anything? No, I'm fine. You're good. Okay. Um, so, uh, did, do you have a first show? You got, we got your first album. Oh, my first, uh, live show was Kiss. Okay. Yeah. Where? Yeah, I forgot that. Before Rush, before Yes and, uh, Pink Floyd, uh, I listened to Kiss. Okay. So, uh, I think it was, you know, Kiss Alive when that came out. I bought that album, and I and then I bought Destroyer, uh-huh. and I probably listened to Destroyer like a million times. <laughs> but then by the time rock and roll came over, uh, they had an album that came out after Destroyer, and it was called Rock and Roll Over. I just hated that album. Did and, you really? Yeah, by that time, Rush had come out, and I'd heard 2112, and I was like, what is this? Right. You know? And so Rush was... Uh, Never a big fan of Bad Company. Never a big fan of, <laughs> of Boston. Sure. It was always the stuff they never played on the radio. One of the reasons why I never became a big fan of uh, Bad Company, it was because wherever you went, you could hear it. I yeah. mean, it was either, it was on the radio well, it's or also it was on the jukebox. like, relatively boring in the scope yeah, of classic uh-huh. rock, which is... Right, right. But going back, you know, I mean, I do, I, I do 
the the song Bad Company by the band Bad Company. <laughs> I mean, don't don't don't. There's something about that song. I mean, you can see why people like. Of it. course, you know the lyrics are simple. Um, there's you know, I mean, there's a few where uh, the you know uh, rock and roll fantasy. Well, I had the I had a um, I think the only Bad Company album I had was Running with the Pack. Okay, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that had a song on it called uh, Silver, Blue, and Gold. Yep, give, give me, me silver, silver, blue, blue and, and gold. And so I like that, but I mean, I was more I was buying every Yes album, listening to them. Uh, every I was buying wow. every Pink Floyd album. Like I would listen to Animals from oh. you know both sides. Yep. I would lay back with my headphones and just like dream. Because that's what we did before the internet or, you know, before DVD. Yep. Um, it was, most of it was in your imagination where, you know, you close your eyes and just listen to that music. It wasn't the kind, it wasn't punk rock where you dance around. You know? Are, are was, you uh, are you a Louis fan? What, what do you mean Louis? CK. Um, not, yeah. Really? Okay. I'm not a big fan. But okay. I mean, like, Have you I, seen I, his? I've, I liked one of his, his uh, specials. Have you I seen saw. the bit? Uh, where he talks about smoking pot in Kansas City. Uh-uh. So he ta- he's going through the list of things he can't do anymore because he's too uh-huh. old. Yeah. You know, drinking. Uh-huh. Like, uh, if I want to find a good time, I got to like hurt my back and have a few Percocet at a diner. Uh-huh. Yeah. But so he's like, and I can't do, I can't get high anymore because the shit they're making today will make you insane. Because the last time I got high was after a show and I'm smoking in a parking lot with some 20 year olds. Uh-huh. We're passing this joint. And I had no idea that they've been working on the shit like it's got the cure for cancer. And so he's so he's like, I'm taking big hits like 1970s jean jacket, bad company here. Here come the justice. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a great bit. Uh, it's a great bit. But uh, but yeah, I mean, bad company. Yeah. You know, what, um, but so you're you're getting into. I mean, it doesn't surprise me uh, given how much you've shared regarding reading that you were. No, no fear about taking on yes. Oh, that is a, um, that well, is a serious... I mean, I think um, around that time, um, well, my dad had a guitar, and so he okay. played the guitar, and he taught me how to play, you know, basic uh, blues. And then uh, I kept playing and playing. I don't know. I got an electric guitar when I was a kid, and I, I started learning some of those um lead solos to some of those songs seriously yeah yeah like um some of them i'd learn every note to the actual lead solo wow to, uh, most of it was led zeppelin I okay think. okay um, I didn't, not yes i didn't listen to led zeppelin like i listened to yes and okay Pink floyd um, because i couldn't really play that but but with led zeppelin i'd put an album on and i would try to learn it like i knew pretty much all the songs off of um led zeppelin 2 I knew pretty much all the songs on Led Zeppelin four because those are my favorites. Sure, know? sure. And then by the time um, um, the what came after Led Zeppelin four, I think it was House of the, House Holy. Of the Holy. It was like, no, I can't play this. <laughs> and by that time, you know, I mean, um, you know, it was I was in a band. And oh, so, for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I was pure pretty musically inclined nice. not only was i listening to music but i was playing it so where'd you see kiss and who'd you see him with? oh i saw kiss um at uh kemper arena okay and um you and mom both had first shows there yeah fascinating yeah. Uh, but then after you know i don't i think i saw rush and i saw foreigner but i i i'm i'm not a big uh, concert goer okay you know I mean, the only, the only thing, the only concerts I go to nowadays is like Elvis Costello or maybe the Jayhawks. Sure. Uh, but, do uh, they still tour? 
yeah, they're okay. still they're still out there. But I mean, I had a big shift in in um, in music uh, around the time uh, the Police came out, Devo, and B 52s Sex Pistols. Uh, well, yeah. I just sold my guitar and I bought a stereo, a, a high fidelity. Well, Stereo. it's funny that you say that. I was going to propose that very uh, assumption. And uh-huh. he, so, so dad has this kind of classic rock, uh, you know, sh- shift to country. And you are kind of in the classic rock lane and you kind of shift to like right. post punk stuff because you're the when I asked you for a record, you gave me three and the, it's like late 70s to early 80s and they're all base British punk or post-punk oh well yeah it was i i think it was what what really got me was i think um the police the second album by the police uh um i think it was regatta de blanc i, I think you're right yeah uh, and the devo uh i had uh freedom of choice and then uh the new traditionalist the devo's album that came after uh Freedom of Choice, New Traditionalist, I really liked. Like, I liked A Beautiful World and, you know, Going Under. And, How many and, records would you say Devo put out? I don't know, but, I mean, I, saw, I, I did see Devo live. I okay, remember okay. seeing Devo live because, I mean, I, I liked New Traditionalist so much. I wasn't into the early Devo. I probably bought their albums, but I was like, yeah, it's okay. But there's something about... Um, so I became a big police fan, uh, which led me to... Um, you know, uh, I guess after the police, I started listening to XTC and well, of course, then there's the clash. Yep. Uh, I don't know when it's probably 23. So, so what age are you for, uh, this band that you were Oh, in? that was when I was, um, seventh, eighth and ninth grade. Okay. You know, so after I got out of high school, I went to college uh, for like six weeks. And Where, I, where'd you go to high school? <laughs> Olathe, Olathe oh, North. Okay, and yeah. then college was. Yeah, so after I got out of high school is when I started listening to New Age, oh, New okay. New Wave, and punk. Where yeah. Where'd you go to school? Uh, Olathe North. No, for college. Oh, Emporia. Okay, but I didn't. I didn't go for very long. Sure, but, but Te- teacher um, school, right? Um, that's kind of one of the flags know. that they it was would... just yeah my sister went there and so I I went for like a semester. Okay, okay. I didn't really like it. So. Uh, 1979, The Clash, London Calling. Um, well, I didn't get a hold of London Calling until probably like 82. Okay. You know. How did you get a hold of it? 80. Well, I, my friend Clark Draper, um, I I moved in with my friend Clark Draper, and we started going to Pogo's at a Tuesday night that was punk rock night. Pogo's. Because, I haven't yeah. heard that name in forever. And so Pogo's, you could drink beer when you're 18, and I went to the New Wave night because the I liked the music. And so that's probably where I got turned on by The Clash and by, um, you know, um, all this, you know, like Echo and the Bunnymen. Sure. Um, XTC, The Clash, Elvis Costello. Um, I remember I was a big fan of, and I can remember to this day, each time I listened to an Elvis Costello album, um, the first time I, I heard Elvis Costello was probably in high school. It was, it was probably around 1977 when that his first album, My Aim is True, came out because me and, and Clark were both kids. We're yeah. both high school kids. Yeah. But Clark had an older sister that was out of uh, high school. She was in college and she had an older boyfriend who was real hip. And okay. he 
we were over at her house once and he's like, man, you got to check this out. And he put on Elvis Costello's My Aim is True. And I remember me and Clark listening to it and going, this is weird. Like, we didn't get it. Like, right. we didn't yeah. know why it was yeah. cool or anything because we were listening to Rush at the time. And then um, years later, it was probably 1982, I think, I was I was uh, living in an apartment with another friend of mine, uh, Dan Bell, and he had a copy of Imperial Bedroom. And I got a hold of that, and I started I started playing it a lot, and I liked that, you know. But I never really, like Elvis, never really grabbed me until the day I'll never forget. I was like I was uh, living with Clark Draper, and he had uh, a friend of his staying over. Uh, was a little punk rock girl, and mm -hmm. she had a copy of uh, she had a copy of Trust on. Okay. In the other room. And I think I walked out of the room and I heard uh, White Knuckles off of the album Trust. And I was like, man, what is this song? This is like fucking awesome, you know? And ever since then, of course, I bought Trust and I listened to that. And I was like, I loved that album. And after that, I just bought every Elvis Costello album. Like, My Aim is True, um, This Year's Model, Get Happy, Trust, Imperial Bedroom. And that was around the time, um, uh, I think I remember when um, Punch the Clock came out. And that's, I didn't really care for Punch the Clock as much as Imperial Bedroom. Well, uh, I had a, a, a cat do an episode uh, 13. He, get, he gave me a big list like, of Elvis Costello of, albums of just albums oh uh -huh. but m almost all of them are sort of in that same like uh -huh. British post-punk new here's an interesting but but one of them like, one of them was what? uh this year's model oh and yeah. I'd uh -huh. never sat down like I've heard some Elvis Costello, uh -huh. but I never sat down until getting ready for that episode uh -huh. I was like wow this is good stuff when I put on Imperial Bedroom I was like Oh my God, uh -huh. this is amazing. Uh -huh. yeah. And uh, I saw a little bit that said they collectively, they're like, we're going to address each track as kind of its own, you know, like it's going to get its own energy and its own sort of identity. I uh -huh. mean, they're obviously all going to be part of the record, uh -huh. but just, and I mean, it's a really big old beautiful sound and oh yeah imperial bedroom harpsichord and horns uh -huh. and strings yeah. and i mean the piano is really it's you know bold yeah, and speaks to uh, you i mean it was like an instant classic i mean the interesting thing about the difference between imperial bedroom and trust and punch the clock uh there was a time when uh See, when I was in that band, I only played lead guitar. Okay. I didn't really sing and play at the same time. Sure. That's so hard years, to do. So years later, when I uh, got, into um, <coughs> got into comedy, I had an acoustic guitar, and I started playing that again. And, and one day, I was just singing in the bathtub, and I was like, hey, I bet you I could, I could learn that song. And uh, so I basically, I taught myself how to sing and play at the same time. Oh, shit. So wow. uh, I started off by learning uh, Bruce Springsteen songs and, of course, Elvis Costello songs because I'd listened to Elvis so much. But um, so what happened was I ended up teaching myself almost every song off of Trust. I could sing and play all the chords, all the lyrics, um, and then I, I started learning all the songs off of Imperial Bedroom. And um, because, you know, they're not that hard to learn. You know, you can figure out all the chords and, and, uh, and the lyrics. But for some reason, I started trying to learn 
the songs off of Punch the Clock, and those songs are hard as fuck. For real. Because of the it's the the chord changes in Punch the Clock are just way beyond. Is that like eighty eight ish? Did he, um, no, did he have Punch a single? The Clock came out like eighty three. Oh, okay, okay. Or eighty four. But but people don't realize when they listen to Punch the Clock, they just think that it's kind of a, a poppy. Uh, album they they think that imperial bedroom is more classical and and more you know masterpiece and masterpiece but actually the songs on on imperial bedroom are easier to play the, interesting the, the, they have less complex chord changes punch the clock has really strange chord changes and really strange tempo beats you know like you know four or five uh, you know it's, sure. it's some weird um um rhythm i don't know what's the word i'm trying yeah to um, do you are you still a fan i mean he's this, oh yeah yeah but is... i mean punch the clock is not my favorite album my, no my favorite album of elvis is probably trust or imperial bedroom right but i mean are you like all the way through his discography oh, i've i've i probably bought every one of Elvis I mean, to this sell is cds record seven of 26 oh in, he's got like including dude, one from I, last I, year I see that i'm Brenda, my uh, therapist girlfriend, says that I, I've got um, a little bit of autism where I'm on the spectrum. They don't use the word Asperger's anymore, but I collect, before the internet, before uh, computers came out, I used to collect every Elvis Costello 45. I almost had all of them, except for like three. Seriously? I was collecting, yeah, I was collecting Elvis Costello 45s from other countries. Like, this is of, of, of uh, Elvis... 45 of of um you're like a super fan uh well a collector of of elvis um like rare eps rare albums rare 45s i i had a, a whole box of elvis costello 45 do you have picture 45s discs by other artists too no okay. the only ones i collected was clash and elvis costello okay. but elvis costello was the funnest to collect because he had so many different um um picture discs and so many different uh, 45 seven inch uh, singles um, that you know before CDs came out that's you know if you're a real collector that's what you collected um, so um, but so she... then um, you know when the internet came out I started collecting Elvis Costello mp3s you know so I've got a huge collection of Elvis Costello mp3s of every Elvis Costello album he's ever produced okay i've got almost every bootleg he's ever produced i've got songs it's gotten to the point where i'm i started collecting elvis costello covers that other bands covered of elvis costello right like like say um <coughs> somebody like uh <coughs> linda ronstant has uh three elvis costello songs that she covered really? on one of her albums i've got those yeah so is is this collection why Brenda is assigning spectrum to you? Yeah, she okay. says that um, people that are on the spectrum of autism are uh, sometimes become collectors where they they have to organize their. Uh, it's not OCD, but I mean, I I I've got all of my Elvis Costello um, MP3s and FLAC files. Okay. I, I'm into that now too. Okay. Okay. So. Um, uh, I've got them all backed up on three different sure. hard drives. In case you know. something happens. Oh yeah, I was. I used to be a member of the Elvis Costello Facebook group. Um, it was Elvis Costello Collectors, and I was a member of that Facebook group. And one time, I said to, I made a post. I said, "Hey, you guys, um, 
I made this um, this playlist. I mean, it basically it's a, a zip file of Elvis Costello MP3s. I had them, you know, all the um, on an MP3. You, you got to make sure the the tags are correct, you know, so it shows up right on your on your um, iPhone or your Android. Sure. You know, the the name of the song, um, the name of the musician, and the name of the album all has to be the same. Okay. But there are programs where you can change that. Uh-huh. So I I just basically I made um, a giant um, file uh, folder of a bunch of Elvis Costello covers of other people covering sure. Elvis Costello, and uh, fixed all the tags so it would show up you know, it was the same album on your iPhone or Android and they just went crazy for it. I mean, I still, oh. to this day, when people see that post, they'll send me a PM going, Hey, you still got a link to that, that, uh, I, I can't. I, so it, it didn't, it, it was, well, it didn't get you in trouble. Are you, no, no, no. Are you still I mean, part I, of that group? Uh, no, I think the group, the, the, um, website, yeah, or oh. something, but I mean, um, but it was it was a good two or three hundred songs. Oh wow! I, don't, I I know it was more than one hundred and fifty. It was a good two hundred. That must so have taken a like, minute to put together. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I just got tired of collecting Elvis Costello stuff. So I I mean Elvis Costello albums and all that. Um, but it was it was a challenge to find to see if I could find every single artist that ever covered an Elvis Costello song. Sure. And I, since wow. I love covers, you know, I just love it when somebody else plays an Elvis Costello song because I'm like, oh, well, I like the way he did it that way, you know. Do you know lots of Elvis Costello fans in non-internet, real life? I only have like one. Um, I have one friend that's Elvis Costello fan, um, Rob Leiter, but he's not as big as a uh, Elvis fan as okay. I am. I mean, he's he's into Grateful Dead and Fish, but he's a big Elvis fan, but not as big as me. Okay. I mean, I, I rarely do I meet an Elvis Costello fan. I think that, they are rare. <laughs> yeah, that that has gone to the that right. has got as many MP3s. <laughs> Every time he comes out with an album, of course, you know I'm gonna get it. And, yeah. And uh, well, know. since you brought up collecting, uh, you mentioned um, that you collect vintage speakers. Oh and- yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. Uh, um, I think one of the things that really gets you into music is if you got a good stereo. Sure. You know, and if you love music um, or you say you love music, don't tell me you love music until you spend some money on speakers are the most important part, you know, because it's easy to get something that plays the signal, you know, just any basic receiver you find on Facebook marketplace or Craigslist, it's sure. a, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money on a on a really expensive amplifier, but just your basic amplifier and a computer that can play FLAC files, you know, lossless. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I, I know, I recognize those terms, but I don't know what they mean. Well, I'm just, I've given, I, I don't collect CDs anymore. Right. I went from albums right when CDs came out, I started collecting CDs, and then after. The internet. Um, after MP3s came out, I've just I got rid of all my CDs. Sure. I went straight to MP3. So you're not a hoarder. So uh, so Bre- no. Brenda should take it easy a little bit. With yeah, <laughs> I mean all my stuff are, is on hard drives. Sure, but, sure. Um, but uh, if you, um, but this I'm I'm telling you, get some good speakers. If you got some good speakers, 
you connect it to a halfway decent receiver. You can get a nice receiver for like 50 bucks on Craigslist. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, then you'll be able to appreciate music more because you can hear more from the, the goddamn, you know, what yeah. the artist wanted you the to. The sonic spectrum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I collect vintage speakers. Um, I collect all the speakers I wanted when I was in my 20s that I'm... Uh, I, I have the money now to afford. So, but I'll find stuff on Facebook uh, Marketplace like um, B&W, um, um, uh, Boston Acoustics. <clears throat> I got a pair of Infinities. I mean, old Infinities, not the new ones. I mean, when Infinity first came out, they had a, a, a certain type of uh, tweeter and certain type of woofer. <clears throat> That's the good woofer. Um, so I've got a... Um, I've got two, um, I have, what do I have? I have four Dolly speakers that are made in Denmark. <coughs> I got those for 40 bucks on uh, Facebook Marketplace. I, they're like $200 or $300 speakers. Um, I got a, a set of Pinnacle. I got a set of um, Kef. These are not all in use, though, right now, are they? <coughs> no, they are. Because, they are? Yeah, I mean, what I did was... In various rooms in okay, your home? Okay, so... Um, you know, when you most most amplifiers or receivers, they'll they'll let you plug in, they'll let you uh, connect uh, two sets of speakers, or right, or usually maybe a surround sound if it's audio visual. But I mean, you can get a, a just an audio receiver; it'll let you have an A and a B. Yep. You know, but when you start putting you know two or three or four you can't you can't put a lot of speakers on a receiver you know because they won't it, the receiver won't push them if it doesn't have enough watts right so um i had all these speakers um i bought another receiver i, I had two receivers connected to four sets of speakers and i plugged i was able to um connect them all to my computer right and so I, I can adjust the volume on, on both receivers, you know, depending on which speakers I want to listen to. And I can I play them all at the same time if I want. But I was sitting around the house, uh, you know, I've got, I'm like, I've got more speakers. Fuck. And I saw somebody had a Nakamichi. They were selling for 50 bucks. On, it was a 100-watt Nakamichi, which I wanted one. I, wa I used to have one, and I wanted another one. So I'm like, oh, I got to get this. So I bought this $50 Nakamichi. And it plugged in another two sets of speakers. So right now I've got um, a set of Boston Acoustics um, uh, vintage. You know, it was the old school, um, the good tweeter. I can't remember. It was like an A70. Um, and a set of um, Polk Audio um, monitor. These are monitor 10s where they got the the, the subwoofer with the two... Um, woofers and the and the old school polk uh tweeter i've got a set of kef um plugged in with um uh a set of uh mission um these are um 602 i uh, they're really cool i found them like 50 bucks and on the sides i've got another set of boston acoustics and another set of dolly speakers these are not all in the same room though all in the same room all three um you know i've got I show you a picture of it uh i've got three receivers setting on top of each other so there are three receivers all of them plugged into the computer and 
uh, eight pairs of speakers. I can crank it all. You have your own wall of sound. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so so it's basically 300 watts I've got because I've got three receivers. Is this like in your living room? No, they're all in my room. But, I mean, I can crank it. uh, Like, sometimes it's fun to listen to uh, Judas Priest really loud (laughs) or the Rolling Stones. If I crank all of them, um, you know, you're not really pushing each receiver. I mean, each speaker is is putting out some hefty volume, but not too much because it's not distorted. If you crank a receiver up too loud, it'll sound like crap. Sure. So all of these are playing at pretty low volume, but all together, it sounds fucking amazing. Anybody ever gripe? I've never had a neighbor gripe. Okay. But I mean, I've walked outside my house before. I've cranked it up like really loud on Rage Against the Machine. And yeah, you can hear it outside on the sidewalk. Fuck I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Man. So, I mean, um, I I'm take, yeah, I take music seriously because I mean, I, I, I collect vintage speakers. I've got I probably a terabyte of uh, MP3s and FLAC files on my hard drive. I mean, I've got, I probably got thousands of MP3s. I couldn't even. I could count them, but I mean, right, right. I know it's it's probably a terabyte. So uh, where you know, as we were talking about a little bit ago, uh, you, you've come over to give help with computers. And uh-huh. How yeah. did how did you gather the knowledge and the know how to do that? And hook well, up I your... lived in uh, Seattle, and uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was living in Seattle in the nineties, and. Uh, like I moved out there to do stand-up comedy. I had no idea what uh, grunge music was. I had no idea what Microsoft was. But um, I met a guy uh, who worked for Microsoft. It was just a friend, and I was arguing w- with him one day. But oh, I was like, only rich people can afford computers. And he's like, dude, that's such bullshit. I will give you a computer. Oh my gosh! I'm like, what are you talking about? So he just gave me a laptop. He goes, it's. Th- Rich people, anybody can own a computer, dude. And I'm like, really? So I got my first computer in 1995, and I started playing around with it. And whenever I couldn't do anything or whenever something screwed up on the computer, it would piss me off. Like, I would like, how come I can't do this? And so I would teach myself how. So I basically am self-taught. Yeah. You know. Wow. Through, but how? Well, like... um, you know, uh, Napster came out around that time. Sure. I was downloading MP3s. Uh, if you want to watch porn, uh, you got to know how to. Like, <laughs> this is so funny. Parents should let their kids look at porn <laughs> on the computer because that's the only thing that's going to teach your kid how to fix his own goddamn computer. Because what do you what do you do when you look up porn? You could get a virus. Yeah. If you get a virus, you're going to have to learn how to fix your computer. You're going to have to learn how to wipe a hard drive and reinstall uh, um, Windows and operating system. You got to learn that. Yeah. You got to learn that not every media player plays every video. You start downloading videos. How come I can't play this video? I can't see these boobs. Right. Well, it's a it's an AVI. This media player doesn't play AVI. So then I had to learn which I had to learn what all these different video files are. I had to learn all these different, you know, um, FLAC MP3. You know, there's A4B. I mean, there's all kinds of different music files. And if you want to convert one, you got to learn how to convert things. So basically I've never paid for software ever in my life. Actually, I think I bought 
Windows 10 one time, but I bought it from somebody that used to work at Microsoft. I got Windows 10 for like 35 bucks. But I crack all my programs. I download all my programs from BitTorrent. I I fix everybody's computer. I don't. You think, still do. You still do that stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, Bill Gates uh, or most of these uh, software companies really care about guys like us because we're the ones that you call when uh, I keep everybody's computer running. I give people, you know, I mean, my dad, of course, he bought his copy of Office because he wanted it to work correctly. You know sure. what I mean? But um, I I've got. You know, like 15 people that uh, gave a copy of Office to because I found out once you pay for Office, you can you can run it on five different devices. Okay. And each one of those devices can have five friends. You know, I mean, I found all this stuff out just by. I remember one time you were like, "Hey, do you still have?" Like, it, you did something with Office, and it was like you get three. Yeah, uh -huh. you can give it to whatever, three different people. Whatever it was. A lot of people don't realize you can do that. Like with they install Office, they just think that it comes just with that computer. But no, Office lets you put Office 365 on five devices. And you could also go into your Office account and you can, you can give it to f five friends, you know? Uh, so, so um, you know, I, I keep... A lot of people, my, all my friends and family, I keep all their computers running. Nice. You know what I mean? And so they all love Windows. I didn't think that, because when we talked on the phone, you're, I, th I thought you said, uh, oh, I hope he doesn't want me to fix his computer. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, th I thought, because last time we got together, I think, um, I mean, there was something that had to do with the computer. But I took that to mean that you don't do that anymore. No, I, yeah, I, oh, I, I oh, do, okay. but I, I know how to do it, but I'm trying not to tell other people I fix their computer. Oh. Everybody calls me to fix their computer. I see, I see. You know, so, I mean, I've got a closet full of laptops that people gave me that I couldn't fix or, you know, or weren't worth fixing. Sure. Um, I've got like down in the basement, I've got tons of parts. I could probably put together a computer just with the parts. I mean, I've got a bookshelf with like five motherboards sitting on top of the bookshelf, you know? So it sounds um, like if you ever have to move, it'll be a bitch. Like uh, you have a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, well, because well, Brenda doesn't throw anything away. Okay. I mean, I don't okay. Know, but I mean, the only thing I have is just, um, that's worth anything is just my computer. I build my own computers, Your speakers, and uh, my speakers. But I, I keep everyone else's computer running, so I don't think Microsoft is is going to be pissed at me because I've turned more people on to Microsoft than you know. Because nobody likes a computer that runs like it doesn't run. No, you know, and they're like, know. how come I can't do this? Fuck Microsoft, and I'll have to go over there and show them how to do it or fix it. Right, or, and they're like, oh, this is cool. Y so yeah. I mean, you know. So, I mean, I've never told anybody to buy Mac because I, mean, I can't. Are you anti? Well, because I've seen what they do with iTunes. I don't like what they do with iTunes. Meaning? Well, I mean, when music first came out, um, I mean, um, when, when they first started, Napster first came out. Yeah. That's when people started sharing music. Yep. It's called sharing music. It's not stealing, but the, the record companies, they're like, oh, we can't have people doing this because they're getting music for free. But a lot of people don't realize if you talk to any artists, they go, dude, the record companies rip us off. Yeah. We're famous. I saw a thing that said 14% uh, 
Uh, Some it, of them don't even make that. Right. And now, so then they, they tried to, you know, come out with Spotify was supposed to fix the downloading problem. And anybody that's an artist that's on Spotify will tell you they get a percentage of a penny every time someone listens to their, you. They have to listen to it thousands of hundreds of thousands of time before they get a check for $35. Right. You know, so when I get, when I hear people you know, that tell me, they're like, oh, I can't believe you download uh, music illegally or you download movies. I'm like, dude, I've got a book on Amazon. I've got a movie on Amazon. I've got two CDs. I can tell you how much I make. It's chump change. I don't make any money from those. Those things are out there because I just want to be famous. I want people to see my work. Yeah. I'm, I don't make money off my albums or my movie or my book. So uh, how Amazon rips you the fuck off. Sure, how, but how uh, is this notion of streaming? Uh, how is streaming that? Streaming was that? supposed to like uh, the artists are supposed to get money. I do have a certain amount of money that I get from people that stream my album. If they buy my album, they're going to get more, I'm going to get more money. Yeah. But, but how, how is this like problem rooted with Apple? Uh, well, Oh, I'll tell you because when I first, um, well, okay. First of all, Apple, they do everything. They want you to buy the music, right? You mm -hmm. have to go to their iTunes. I mean, you, you can't even look at a picture <clears throat> Without installing iTunes, you know, I mean, okay, so if you have Windows and say your girlfriend has an iPhone, all right, if she wants to do anything with her pictures, her music, or her movies, you can't just plug in an iPhone to your computer and look at a folder or dump a, a song in a folder. No, you're not going to see that, that those pictures that music or those movies unless you install iTunes on your Windows computer. So you install iTunes. Oh, now they'll let you look at your pictures, your music, and your media, right? Yeah. Um, but um, oh, it's it's hard to explain, but it's I every time I've had to work on a computer and the person had an iPhone or iTunes, it was always some kind of bullshit with, with, with an Android. I can plug this into my computer, my windows computer. I can see my folder that says music and I can just drop however much music I want in there. And it'll show up on my phone. Okay. I okay. don't have to install some special Android music player right. just to see my music. Right. Right. I mean, the, and sometimes, and it's always hidden somewhere. It's always, there's some, always so, some bullshit. So do you have a preferred streaming platform? I No, dude. I, I, I listen to all my uh, music on flack off of my hard, hard drive. I rarely, if ever, listen to Spotify unless it's some link that somebody gives me and they, hey, check out this sure. song. You know, I listen to Spotify a little bit for it and I made a few playlists, but most of the music I listen to, um, I guess I'm I, I, I'm back from, I'm from the Napster days where you downloaded the music, you put it on your hard drive and you own the music. Sure. You know, I don't listen to Spotify. But I, I know personally, what you... I know how much I make from Spotify and it is chump change. Sure. When someone listens to my CDs on Spotify, I get virtually nothing for it. What What about if you want to listen to music in the car? What do you? Oh, I, I plug my, um, my, um, 
uh, my plug my cell phone into the um, stereo in my car and I listen to MP3s off of my hard drive because okay. I have a, a little media player on my phone. So like with an auxiliary cord you plug in? Yeah, okay. yeah. I just plug it into... Um, and so I have all, all my songs that I listen to from my phone are from my hard drive. Now, if I was to listen to Spotify, I mean, you have to download it from the fucking internet. You're downloading, and some people are using Bluetooth in their car, and they're they're wondering, oh, my battery doesn't is I'm get all the my battery doesn't last long because you're using Bluetooth at the same time you're downloading that song off Spotify from some satellite up in the you know what right, I mean, right? And uh, so I just I play my music from the hard drive that is on my mobile phone. Directly plug it into the goddamn um, uh, fucking stereo. It sounds sure. better anyway. Sure. I mean, Spotify, half the time they're playing goddamn commercials and shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's just... Uh... So you have uh, Imperial Bedroom, 1982, was, was uh, f- really not a bad song, just fantastic. And then you got yourself a copy of The Clash after that? Uh, I It was when I was in or my 20s, I was listening to... Um, Clash. I mean, I don't really know what album I got first, but it was a moment when I went from listening to um, classic rock to punk rock. Sure, and I never turned back. I was I kind of liked Judas Priest because I did see them live, but it was it was after I heard Devo and the Police, I became a punk rocker. Sure, and the Clash, London Calling. Um, you know. Um, uh, the Clash's first album, Sandinista, and of course, um, there's Combat Rock. But it was just like I've I've listened to those albums like a million times. Sure, six total. They've this is number three for them. You you're familiar with all six and dig all six. Uh, yeah, all, all of the Clash. I mean, I I I collect. I've probably I've got every goddamn Clash album possible. I mean, that's another thing I've. And and, I, and they're all in flak files. Nice. So it's like, I've got, I mean, if you were to go on my, I, I listen to all my music from Windows Groove Media Player, but I've got every single goddamn Clash album. Nice. I, I don't like listening to bootlegs because usually the sound quality isn't all that good. No, right. So, I mean, you know, bootlegs aren't all that fun. And, and if you got a really good stereo, you can hear the difference. And sure. you're like, no, I'm not listening <laughs> to this. <laughs> so you mentioned XTC uh, and Mummer from 83 oh, was right. the record uh, of theirs. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about these guys, because I knew virtually nothing. Oh, you, see, I, I got into XTC. I think I, I first heard, I'd heard, they were playing Runaway, uh, or um, since it's working overtime, you'd hear occasionally off the radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so I got... Um, a copy of English Settlement, and um, I love the whole album, like every song off the album. Nice. It's really good. And then um, uh, I think I bought Black Sea, which is going backwards. Black Sea came out before English Settlement, and I loved Black Sea. Nice. You know, and um, so then, you know, I probably um, wasn't a big fan of white music or um, they they had a go-to. Um, their really, their early, early stuff. Um the the whole album wasn't good, but um, it have occasional like uh, life begins at the hop, you know, um, stuff like that. Uh, 
their their early stuff um it's not they they didn't do concept albums but man when mummer came out um it was just it was like a step above and beyond english settlement and if you play music or you know anything about music i mean you can hear it's weird chord changes weird um you know syncopation weird time signatures um and and uh just the lyrics like they have, they have a song about slavery hmm. like on mummer there's a song um um i think it's oh jeez i'm going to screw this up but um uh it's called human alchemy yeah yeah and um so um unfortunately um the um the lead singer didn't they didn't play too many live um shows because he had stage fright really bad well, stage fright and uh it caused friction with the label and then uh i guess his significant other thought he should be not taking Valium anymore right well he took Valium for a long time yeah and and the funny thing is when he stopped taking the Valium that's when the the albums weren't quite as good I mean it was like <laughs> all those albums when he's taking Valium were like fucking great right. I mean some people their favorite album is um uh the one that came after Mummer which was um well um the one that it's got uh, Oh God on it yeah um, I forget the name of that. It's it's got a song about uh, the things we did on grass, uh. you know. And uh, um, but but the, the what came after Mummer was the the Big Express was okay. an album that had a lot of anti-war songs. See on uh, English Settlement, they had a song called "Melt the Guns," which is about like melt down all the guns in the world. Um, so they're big uh, anti-war. Uh, they have a lot of anti-war um, songs. In, um, in uh, off of the Big Express was not quite as good as Mummer, um, but English. Set, if you're if you want to get turned on by XTC, I would suggest getting Black Sea, English Settlement, or Mummer. Those three are the best. Okay, you know, and then you know, of course, um, after that, I think they the, the Big Express is okay. Um, and they they had another one uh, which is a double album which was um, what was that um, twenty five o'clock oh well that's see that's another thing I I love those albums too they had this side project where they uh, oh, okay they had a um uh they they started playing uh, they started writing songs um uh, influenced by uh, the sixties like oh. they wrote a bunch of funny sixties songs interesting and uh they came out with this twenty five o'clock which is either the name of the band or the name of the album I'm not sure are you on the wikipedia yeah, yeah, page yeah yeah it's the name and of the so album so there's um but it says nineteen eighty five the Dukes of Stratosphere. Yeah, that's it. Yes. They came out with this thing called the Dukes of Stratosphere, which is they kind of uh copied a lot of sixties influence and oh, okay. uh, so it's like listening to a sixties album. Wow. Uh, yeah, all three of those albums are like uh, Sonic Sunspot of chocolate chips and all that stuff. Uh um they were big inspired by the Beatles, but um Oh wow, okay. I mean, I loved the twenty five o'clock uh, and the um, um, oh, I loved all that stuff, but not as much as Mummer. Sure, you know. Uh, I got a few more for you, but I need to pee real quick. Um, oh, me too. I need to go to the bathroom or something. 
All right, man. So uh, I brought up Jesselnik and Louis C.K., and you kind of poo-pooed both. Yeah. Who, who, who are you into? Oh, um, for stand-up comedy? Yeah. Like everyone's going to... I mean, my I, I enjoy all kinds of comedy. Like, uh, what I don't like is a comedian that... Uh, they hate this comic or they hate that comic. They, 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 they. I can enjoy Jesselnik if I watch him. I can enjoy Louis C.K. if I watch him. I, I admire every comic that goes up on stage and tells a joke to try to make an audience laugh. Yeah, I see them as being, you know, one of my comrades or brothers sure. in 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 this little group of comedians. Yeah. So I don't like to really trash like oh, okay like um. Like a lot of comics hate um, Dane Cook, but but I, I <laughs> or, or used to. I don't know yeah, if they yeah. do anymore. But I mean, he got I, like totally screwed you, by his brother. And um, well, if you do stand up comedy, you know, um, you know how dark and fucked up most comics are. I mean, th- they all have some kind of problem or some kind sure. of bones in the bottom of their um, basement. Um, Regardless of who it is, I mean, it's not just Louis C.K. When people are like Louis C.K. jacked off, dude, you, th- it's, it's not just Bill uh, Bill Cosby, yeah, dude. Right. I mean, when you're on the road working with, did comics, you see that he's like maybe gonna tour her again? Yeah, fuck him. I, I'm <laughs> actually, I, I never. I mean, I listen to Bill Cosby. I mean, I can laugh sure. at what he yeah. says, but I mean, I, I, I never was a big fan of Bill Cosby. I mean, what really made me laugh uh, was like uh, Stephen Wright. Yeah. And, and the um, well, Segura says uh, if it, if there's if it's a clean comic, it's usually a uh, an indicator that there might be something right, right. It's, weird it's about it's so true. It's so true. I've played. I've worked with a few clean comics on the road, where they're adamant about it's got to be clean comedy, and and something came up during that week where it was like, man, this guy is fucked up in the head, like seriously. He's got real problems. Wow. I'll give you an example. Like, um, um, there's a comic I worked with on the road, um, um, Christopher Titus. Oh. Yeah. And so he's yeah. somewhat famous. Yeah. People think he's he's edgy or what. Anyway, he was like, oh, I worked with him. I went up before him and he saw my show. He came up after me right after the show and he's like giving me this long, um, a long uh, lecture on how I've got to do clean comedy. He's like, I can't believe that he's like, you're not going to work the improvs or you're not going to work the funny bones. If you, if you don't work clean, I'm like, dude, I've already worked the funny bones. What are you talking about? He's like, I don't work the improv cause I don't like the improv. You know, the, the improv was the place where all the rich people went to laugh. You know, you go to an improv, it's the, you look at the, uh, the goddamn, um, Parking lot. It's filled with BMWs and Mercedes Benz. Is there an improv? Uh, yeah, there's an north. improv here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I've never been a big fan of yeah, the yeah. improv. I love the Funny Bones. Because where does he Where does he get off saying this? Well, I'll tell you the story. I don't want to get distracted, but he went off on me and lecturing me about doing clean comedy. Um, and um. So I listened to him. You know, I said, "All right." So he wants me to clean it up before his. You know, I I I told him, I said, dude, you had no problem following me because most of the complaints when you have a a headliner, I was featuring. Yeah. He was headlining. 
Okay. Most of the time, they complain uh, that they can't follow the dirty act. Because if you're up there and you're real dirty, then the headliner goes up and he eats it on stage. Sure. And you can't get any laughs because sure. you already went up there and you did all your dirty stuff. But I said to Titus, I said, dude, you have no problem following me. You went up after me and you got laughs, you know, and he's and so the next night uh, I saw him in the back of the room and he had a little notepad out and it was taken. He was taking down notes of my act. You know, he's like, I watched your act and I I found all the places where you said a dirty word. And I, we got to talk about it. And I'm like, dude, you know, fuck off. Basically, I told him, I said, I, I'm just going to do my show and you do your show and you shut the fuck could up he and leave me alone. Do, could he like do follow s- me? No, but he, could he do something about well, it? Well, he did. He's oh, oh dude, the guy is a towering douchebag. So um, it was one of those things where I was nice to him up until a certain point where this is the extent of what I did when I finally got a little bit pissed. Like when you listen to somebody tearing you down and and just like he was just kind of like berating me for hours. And I was being nice because he's the headliner. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, piss him off right. or anything. And finally, I think it was something like when I, I finally got tired of it. I go, dude, you're being a dick. That's what I said. That was it. I go, dude, you're being a dick. And he fucking snapped. He ran. In front of other people? Well, we were in the comedy condo, which is all the comics stay in the comedy condo. And um, and it was, it. I didn't snap on him. I didn't call him a cunt or I'm going to go to your mother's grave and piss on her grave. No, I basically, this is all I said to Christopher Titus. I said, dude, you're being a dick. He's like, you call me a dick? And he ran at me from from down the hallway, grabbed me, pushed me up against the door, had his hand on my throat. You call me a dick? You call me a dick? You talk to me like that? You want to fight? You want to fight? Like he physically wanted to fight, right? And I hadn't been in a fight since like grade school. Like I, I don't fight. Like, I, you know what I mean? I mean, comics don't fight. We fight with words, you know, but he was, those are fighting words. You know, he was like, he was ready to literally fight me, right? He assaulted you. Well, he almost punched me, but he didn't. But I mean. But he had his, yeah, he he had me pushed up against uh, the door with his hand on my throat. Assault or battery or something. Dude, I I don't call the cops. I I understand. But he will do that to a person. By merely saying, do, but oh, make is, sure you tell clean jokes on stage. Oh right, 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 right. You're like oh, a, right. some He's beacon a, yes. of morality. Right, right. That's where I lost all respect for him. But, but I mean, this was m- me just telling him, dude, you're kind of being a dick, and that's what made him. Snap. What made it end? Well, um, so I think he went back to his room, and and I I went back to my room, and the next day. Uh, on this stage after a, sh- a show that this happened yeah after okay. a show but then friday night came up and and i went on stage and i just did my act like i did all the jokes that i was there to do <laughs> yeah. which i i was hired to do yeah you know because um when i first showed up he told me he wanted to he, he wanted me to do a clean set so I did a clean set, but I think I said fuck or shit once or twice. And that's when he, he like freaked out. And the second night wasn't clean enough for him either. Cause I said the word turd or something, or I said the word piss. And, and so after he tried to punch me, I'm like, fuck this guy. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to do my act, 
which is what I, I, I'm not going to make it any more dirty than I usually do. Right. I'm not going to make it. But I'm not, not going to take clean it I'm up. I'm not going to clean it up for him. I just did my he, act. He couldn't have gone to the club as the headliner and been like, I don't want this guy. Oh, yeah, he could do that, but he hadn't done that yet. Okay, okay. He, he was just talking to me about so it. So you go up night three. So Friday night, I go up and do my act. He fucking snaps. In front of people? Oh, yeah, but he was in front of people, so he couldn't really beat me up because I was in the room at the time you know i i i was on stage doing my act um and my act is a little dirty but it's not too dirty right. it gets laughs i right. mean if it was if my act was too dirty the audience wouldn't laugh no but i'm up there getting laughs being dirty and he's pacing back and forth just fuming right and so, um, you know, he doesn't even look at me or talk to me. He goes on stage, does his act. Of course, he gets laughs, too. And then um, after the show, <laughs> this is where. <laughs> uh, after the show, uh, he's like in with it with the, the MC. He's telling the MC, I can get you work. You know, Inman's a dick. He's crazy. He's, he does dirty material. He's not going to help your career at all. And uh, they jump in the car and and. Uh, they're supposed to give me a ride back to the condo because we're at the we're at the comedy club. We're all driving in the same car. And so they both don't say a word to me. They both get in the car and I'm I'm like getting I'm walking towards the car to get in the back seat. And that little fucking Christopher Titus, he's such a fucking cunt prick fucking douche. He just he goes over and locks the door. Oh wow. And he just looks forward like he's not looking at me. Like I don't know. We're like we're not gonna give you a ride back to the condo. And I, I was standing there and he's in the passenger side, right? And I'm like, oh, really? I unzip my pants. I pull my cock out. I put it right on the fucking window, right next to his face. And he gets out of the car. He explodes, man. And he's like right in my face. He's ready to fight. He's like, come on. Just punch me. Just hit me one time. I'll fucking kill you, motherfucker. Like he's good. It's like a fight is going to start, Mentally right? Deranged. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the That's only, so this is, this is, <laughs> <laughs> okay no it's not done yet it's not done so he's in my face and i told him i said christopher you work stanford and sons don't you he's like yeah do you know who owns stanford and sons craig glazier he's in the mafia you put one finger on me i'll make one phone call he will kill you wow he will put a bullet in your head and fuck it, it, whatever that was, scared him enough, and he backed the fuck off. Because he knew Craig Glazier. I'm like, he's in the mafia. Did he give you a ride after that? No. But, I mean, so <laughs> but then... did you go back to the condo and stay there? Um, well, yeah, because that's where I'm staying, yeah. right? So he goes to the club owner, and he tells the club owner, okay. I can't stay in the condo with Inman because he's crazy. He threatened to kill me. I'm like, dude, you threatened to punch me twice. The only way I could have got out of that fight was by threatening his life. That's what I did to get out of that fight. Sure. I was like, you fucking, if you lay one finger on me, I will have you killed, which I was, I'm making that up. <laughs> like, Craig Glazer's not in the mafia and he, he's not going to kill anybody wow. for me. Wow. But it was enough to get him to back the fuck off. You know, I mean, what, you, you know, do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. But because I'm a comic, I you know, you I'm, I, your fucking, out. I can threaten anybody i'm scary with my words sure. but i'm not gonna fight anyone because i don't like to fight right you know anyway so he goes to the club owner 
and he says some shit like Inman's this and that. He's doing a dirty show and I can't stay with him in the condo. And so the club owner, um, he calls me into the office. He goes, so I got to put um, uh, Christopher Titus in a hotel room because of you. And I'm going to take it out of your check. You're going to pay half. You're going to pay half. talking like a dick like that? Oh, the fucking club owner did not take my, he didn't listen to my side of the story at all. Okay. Right. And plus, I don't narc on people. So I didn't, you know, I don't really think I made a big, like, I didn't want to get Christopher and Titus in trouble. So I didn't, I mean, I might have said, dude, he threatened to punch me twice. Right. And that was not, you know, whatever, you know, like. So did he really charge you half the hotel? Yes, he charged. I had to pay for half of Christopher Titus's hotel room because Christopher Titus is a fucking unhinged freak. And he tried to punch me twice. Wow. And the only way I got out of the fight was I, I threatened his life. So anyway, here's the funny part. So I go back on the road and Christopher Titus's name comes up every now and then. And I, I mentioned, yeah, he tried to punch me. I had six comics, six comics. Tell me on the road, dude, Christopher Titus tried to punch you. He tried to punch me too. It's not, this isn't like my problem. Wow. I, by is he the way, still touring? I, huh? or is he still working? Uh, yes, he's, he's whatever. He's, yeah. You know, he's got so many problems. I mean, you know, he had a sitcom for a while. Yeah, he's got some yeah. specials. But the thing of it is, I've worked with hundreds of comics. I've met thousands. I've only had one comic try to punch me. That was Christopher Titus, right? What a loser. As big of an asshole of as I am, and I've only had one comic try to punch me, and that comic, I had six other comics tell me that he How? almost punched them too. He almost got in a physical fight with him because the fucking guy likes to fight. That's how he solves all of his fucking problems. If he doesn't win an argument, his argument was clean comedy. I told him, I said, dude, I don't do clean comedy. I like Sam Kinison. I like Bill Hicks. I they yeah. just say what they want to say, and they that's how they talk. I And he's like, well, you're never going to get on TV if you don't do clean comedy. I go, dude, I don't watch TV. I don't like TV. Why do you think I'd want to be on TV? I don't even watch it. I listen to The Clash. I like movies. <laughs> I watch fucking, I'll go to a movie. They say fucking movies. They don't say fuck on TV. Right, right. right. And so, anyway... Um, Did you guys have another night of shows to do after he goes to the no, hotel? No, no. Basically, I never got, had to see him again. I had to do... I I still... I didn't change a fucking thing in my set. Nice. And I every, every night, I did my stuff. <coughs> I said, fuck, shit. I did... I have this bit. I used to have this bit about um about movie theater food. And the bit has has uh, uh, the girl that works the counter. She's got a strap-on penis. And, you know, she's fucking you in the ass because uh, you know you need to you know another snickers bar or something you know it's it's edgy material because my favorite comic was bill hicks but anyway so um yeah he was fuming that whole week i i did not change how long ago was this oh this is years ago back in the 90s okay you know um i mean i i i played every state in the country you know, I, I almost every state. I've never played Hawaii, and I've never played. When's the, the, state when's of the Maine. last time you were on stage? Oh, I, I don't do it as much as I do. I mean, you know, after the movie The Unbookables came out, I that I became kind of a 
unbookable comic. You know, it's a, it's a whole other story. Talk, talk to me about the unbookables. Well, then. I mean, so so I kept doing edgy material. Um, you know, like for instance, I I didn't do clean comedy. Yeah, nice folly. In 92, I moved to Seattle. And so when I moved to Seattle, everything started working. Like all my jokes worked, uh, the way I dressed, my character. I was like, wow. Like a lot of my jokes, I had um, a lot of political stuff that just never really worked in Kansas City or in the Midwest. But once I got to Seattle, all of my jokes worked. And I found that I could do all my political jokes and I could be as dirty as I wanted to be because I played this club called The Underground. So anyway... Um, I got, I, I got invited to the Montreal just for last festival. I got invited to the Vale comedy invitational. I won a contest. One of the things I'm most proud of is, uh, Vale, Judy Brown and Bud Friedman came to Seattle and they were looking for talent and they had a little contest in Seattle. And, uh, so they invited all the big comics in Seattle. I'd been doing comedy maybe two or three years in Seattle. So people kind of knew who I was, but they knew I was a guy that moved up there. But, but they also knew that I was a guy doing edgy material. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. People move for comedy. Right, right, right. But I wasn't, I wasn't a Seattle native, but I was still nice to everyone. And everyone was nice to me. There was only two comics doing really edgy stuff. It was me and Kathy Sorbo, but everybody else, all the other comics were doing clean comedy in Seattle. Really? Right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And this is no during profanity? the grunge. This is the grunge. Yeah. They're all trying to get on TV. Oh, right. And right. so I would go on stage. I would just do what I do. And I'd get the most laughs because it's a live comedy club. You know, who's, who cares if you say shit or fuck? That's what we're there for. Yeah. It's yeah. a laugh. So um, I went up against all the headliners in Seattle and I beat all of them. Like, they were probably pissed at me after that <laughs> because all of these headliners who were doing clean material, they, you know, I won that contest and I beat all of them, you know? And so I got invited. I met Judy Brown. That's when I met Doug Stanhope and Bud Friedman. And, um, and so I just, uh, I kept doing that style of comedy, you know, picking edgy, uh, controversial topics and trying to, uh, you know, push the envelope a little sure. bit, you know? Um, and so, um, and I got a lot, a lot of success in Seattle. I got a lot of auditions. I got, I flew down to LA and did a lot of things. Um, but then after I met Doug Stanhope, um, uh, you know, he kind of created this, this group of comics called the unbookables. And, uh, I got a phone call from a director once and he was wanting to make a documentary about me. And I was like, well, dude, why don't you make a documentary about the unbookables? And he's like, Oh, that's a great idea. So, uh, we, uh, booked a three week tour. And uh, he got a van, and uh, we just went uh, for three weeks, and he filmed everything. So no it's, shit. It's a documentary about what it's like being on the road. When was this? Um, this was like, it was filmed in 2008, but it didn't actually get on. Um, we signed a contract with uh, the distributor in 2018. Okay. Like, like January, it was like the very last part of December 2017, so... And it's it's essentially the movie came out on all of these different platforms like Amazon Prime, Google Play, YouTube, um, Steam, Barnes and Noble, um, you know, fucking it's the DVD is everywhere and the movie is streaming in a lot of different places. And that essentially came out 
at the very first part of 2018. Okay. And have you and seen, have you gener- have it, has it generated some revenue for you or nothing? No, they made like $300. I mean, it's, that's another streaming um, story ripoff. Sure. Me and the director, we were both um, on the phone. We we're like, well, what are we going to do with this movie? I'm like, look, we're never going to make any money off this movie. We're not going to make any money off of streaming, but let's get a distributor so at least people can see the movie. Sure. And it'll it'll give the unbookables a little bit of fame, and so then we can make money from the live shows because that's that's where most artists make their money right. anyway is playing live. Right. Play, you know. But the, you're proud. You're proud of it. You dig it. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice. When the movie came out, I was really proud of it because it it kind of encapsulated everything that I was doing, which was edgy material sure so i was in a group of comics and we'd all been doing edgy material for years and it's about the struggle of an edgy comic on the road trying to make money sure most um, you know club owners they don't want to deal with it they don't want to they don't want anyone pushing the envelope on stage or so uh jamesinman.com is it visible there? Is the unbookables visible uh, there? Yeah, if you go to my website, jamesinman.com, you can see, um, you know, there's links to the movie, there's links to my CDs and my book and everything. So, yeah, you said you had two CDs. Are those um, like... Uh, oh, yeah, those are two... Are those sets? Yeah, uh, okay. they're like... Um, I have one CD of like politics and weird shit, and the other CD is about women, relationships, and, and uh, so I've got but all... It's, the, it's stand-up, right? Yeah, okay. all, the, all the sex... And relationships jokes are on one CD, and the other CD, Pander Monkey, that's all politics and and um, all my edgy stuff. When were those recorded? Oh, um, over the years, uh, I just had uh, different people record me, and so I had a lot of different files on my computer, and I finally kind of released them as I released them as two CDs at you know, uh, um, like. Uh, you know, when um, Bruce Springsteen released those two CDs at the same time, I think one of them was called, um, um, oh, God, now I'm going to screw up. Um, Tom Waits did the same thing. He, oh. He released Blood Money and Alice. Uh, they're two separate CDs, but he released them at the same time. Okay. Are you a Waits guy? Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I was just listening to Hang On St. Christopher, um, just the... Um, on the way over here nice my favorite tom waits album is probably um uh frank's wild years yeah so that's my favorite tom waits but but like i said i i released both of my cds at the same time okay so they're they kind of go together sure one is about sex women relationships and the other is about politics so um are, is it safe to say then that you're like not gonna gig anymore you, you're not gonna get on do you open um, mic or well, anything i mean like it was kind of after, i mean I, I was so focused on the movie for so many years and after the movie came out there was a lot of jealousy and infighting with the unbookables that they're kind of i don't know it's and one of them died sean rouse died um the director died uh and um so um the another group of them um the thing is i i don't really get along with um some of the people that hang around uh doug oh i was i i became friends with doug early on and um i was friends with him but then after doug became famous he just surrounded by all these assholes because really doug was a libertarian and i was i was never a libertarian and so 
I um I just never really clicked with Doug's audience. Sure. Like, you know, I've done guest sets for Doug, you know, when when he comes into town, um When would you like, say Edmund, come by? Like I did a guest set last time Doug was in um at improv, but I've I've never really killed in front of his audience. Okay. His audience they don't get me. I see. His whole audience are libertarian. I'm mean, like a communist. I mean, you, I'm fucking. You value your relationship with him, though. Yeah, because we've been friends for so long. Okay. I think I met him in 1992 or three. So I don't know. Would you Would you say he's famous? Somewhat. I mean, he's not as famous as Bill Burr, but sure. he's he's well respected sure. in the industry. Yeah. He was one of the producers of the Unbookables. I mean, we would have never been able to make that movie without Doug. And we would have never been able to make that movie without Jeff Pearson, the director. However, the biggest problem with that movie is Jeff Pearson and Doug Stanhope never got along. Oh. Jeff Pearson was one of my best friends. I mean, I, you know, Doug, I mean, he was like one of my peers in comedy. I mean, I, I liked him and we both did edgy material, but Doug did libertarian edgy material. I did socialist communist edgy material. Like, I would be making fun of Walmart, and <laughs> Doug would be like, why do you make fun of Walmart? Oh, for real? Yeah. He's, he's, he's got a libertarian brain, dude. Oh. I mean, so when I go that's on- That's not fun. Well, I mean, his, his, all of his jokes are dog whistle libertarian. Oh. You know, like, like he'll that's have a joke about- he'll, he, He's a great writer and a great performer- but he'll write a joke about how um, we don't have any starving people in, in America. You could go to a, a dumpster. You could go to a dumpster and find a, a food out of a dumpster. Like, Doug doesn't care about the homeless. He doesn't give a fuck. That's about, also not fun. Well, but, I mean, that's how libertarians are. Okay, They're well, like, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Okay, right. You know, communists are like, we could all work together and fix some of this shit. And Doug's like, oh, communism is bad. Or he doesn't even like liberals because he thinks liberals are communists. You know what I mean? Okay. I mean, I'm not a real communist. I'm not <laughs> technically a communist, but I'm definitely not a libertarian. I mean, I've never voted Republican in my life. You know. I so don't... complete this sentence for me. Right. The world would be a better place to live if only. <laughs> the world would be a better place to live if only. I don't know. I mean, that's so crazy. Isn't it? Um, okay, I mean, the world would be a better place to live if only, um, America wouldn't go all over the fucking planet with 800 military bases, and, like, we're like this giant, um, warmongering machine that wants to, um, control everything, um, I mean, it'd be, if there was less war... Uh, the world would be a fair enough, place. man. Amen. You know, uh, um, if you won the lottery tomorrow, how different would your life look? I don't know. Last time I had a lot of money, I never really bought any drugs or uh, any <laughs> hookers. The so the funny thing is because before I, you know, the times I had a lot of money, like it came into like ten grand when I won this uh, San Francisco comedy competition. Like before, I like man. Let's, it's always a joke, like, let's get some blow and some hookers and party all night. We'll get a limousine. I never did any of that right. stuff when I had a lot of money. Okay. Last time I had a lot of money, like, I got inherited, like, you know, something like 10 grand or something. Um, I had, like, 
I don't know. I probably, you know, I've never really had lots of money, but the couple times I had lots of money, I never spent it on on drugs and alcohol. Right, I know, but I mean like... And then I look back, I'm like, I wish one of those nights I would have got a fucking eight ball of blow and a hooker. Got my dick sucked. Because I've been talking about it for so long, but prostitution just doesn't turn me on that's, at that's all. The, yeah, no. I, I would end up talking to the prostitute know, the whole night instead of fucking her. Yeah. I mean, I only want to fuck somebody that I click with. Yes, you know I mean? absolutely. Because it's not good sex. If, no, You know, if you've no. got someone laying there. I don't even can, know at know, this age if I could get it up for you know a, uh, a, a non a non-click yeah uh, fuck yeah all that stuff that women used to tell us when we we're when we we're 18 you know like well, there's no chemistry we're like just suck my cock what are you talking about <laughs> but now when you're 60 you're like it's gotta be there's gotta yeah. be something clicking you gotta really you know? inspire me yeah we should have listened to them you know when we we're 18 yeah. but we didn't what so what was this uh thing we were talking about on the phone when you come to the uh, I used to do a, a set on stage called uh, "Songs with Cool Parts." There you go. That's oh, right. Um, so I uh, I was turned on by um, Blink One Eight Two had an album that I think it was Enema of the State. God, they come up so much on this podcast. Uh-huh. It totally and, blows my and mind. Nobody likes them because there's a lot of people that hate Blink One Eighty Two. A lot of people are bringing them up because they yeah. do like them. Oh, okay. And I'm like, wow. And okay. so I like Blink One Eighty Two because they have a sense of humor. They remind me of the Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys had a sense of humor. But when I bought Enema of the State, I love that album. There's a couple songs on that album that just had like some parts that just make me go crazy while I was driving in the car singing along um you know uh going away to college i love that song um what's my name again um and so i used to go on stage and i'd have this bit that i would do called songs with cool parts <laughs> and um and one of the yeah ever. one of the songs i picked was um you know what's my name again by uh, blink 182 and i used to I used to tell the audience, okay, here's the part that's coming up. I'll, I'll tell you when the part's coming up, and and it, it's, this is the cool part. And when the cool part would come up, I'd just dance around on stage really funny and stupid, right. like a really, yeah. really dumb. Yeah. And so I think the reason why people connected to it, it, it became a bit that was so funny, I couldn't follow it. Like, I couldn't... I couldn't... I had to put it at the end of my act because it would get so, so many laughs... That no other bit would follow yeah. it, right? Yeah, you eat shit after And it. everyone, they, they identified with it because everyone's got that song that they're listening to in the car, and it's just got a cool part in that one song that just makes them go crazy, yeah. you know? And so I think I picked, I and so I had a, a Van Morrison song, uh, Real Real Gone. Okay. Um, that was one of the songs with cool parts, and it was... Um, Blink-182, uh, What's My Name Again? And there was another one, um, the uh, Rockaria from ELO. Okay. Which is... Are these bits on YouTube? Can can people find them? No. No? no that, they don't exist anywhere? No, I mean, this this bit that I used to do never ended up on a CD. It never ended up on a video. It was just a bit I did okay, for a couple okay. months. So Rockaria by ELO? Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I tell the audience where the cool part was and why it was cool and... and um, and I just go crazy, and I do a, a funny dance on stage, and then they they would laugh. I love you know? it. So. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, man! Um, I think 
That, How long have we been talking? Well, we've been talking too long. This has been rolling for two hours. Oh, so, um, but I did, you know, I was I started to say earlier, and I think we derailed. But when you were telling me that Christopher Titus story about him wanting your bit your your material to be clean, I I pictured you the first time you're hearing him say that, being being like, oh, I hope he doesn't see my Facebook page. <laughs> oh, fuck that guy. No, but I mean, but what? the point being, like you literally give zero fucks on there you yeah i'm kind of say proud of what i, I mean what is on your mind uh, yeah. whether it's a post of yours or in comments you mean I, on on the podcast on, on facebook oh on facebook oh yeah yeah are you podcasting somewhere well uh, one of the reasons um no i'm not i i do podcast but i'm not i'm not doing any podcast okay. but i i have a lot of followers on facebook i get a lot of likes on facebook because i can uh twitter it's just it's for people with short attention span. Sure. You know, it's it's just one liner jokes or whatever. It's got to be a funny one liner, which I have no problem writing one liners. But most of my followers on Twitter uh, are Doug Stanhope fans, and they're all libertarian. So actually, <laughs> what happens is, um, uh, I my jokes on Twitter are completely different from my jokes on Facebook. Okay. You know, and I Which, don't know what you're not is. always joking on Facebook, though, are you? No, like, you no, sometimes but, will just rant, right? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. But, um, but I've kind of created my own audience on Facebook. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just it, not that, nothing against Doug. I love the guy. I've known him for years, but I just don't like his friends. I sure, don't like his fans. Sure. His fans are, are mean. They're just mean people. No, I mean, not... I don't like libertarians, yeah. you know, but I like Doug, you know, um, and um <clears throat> so you're so not you're not pod- that's why my, my jokes are a little more right wing they're not i wouldn't say right wing on twitter i would say the joke has to be it can't take a side it's got to be kind of independent it's got to be a joke that no one can identify as a liberal or a conservative joke sure you now know, it's got to be something that nobody has heard before that you oh you can't say oh he's a trump supporter or he's a liberal right because people hate liberals so much i mean people really hate politics on twitter but for some reason on facebook i can write whatever i want and this is one of the things i did on facebook was a long time ago i wrote something about it was during b um black lives matter i wrote something about the police and i had a um an uncle you know comment like uh you better not you know um uh, your uh, your cousin, um, she she better not read that because you know uh, our son is a cop or something you know something like and I was like fuck you I see you one day a year on Thanksgiving why are these people following me so what I did was I blocked every family member oh for real I blocked my mom my dad the only family member that I allow to follow me on Facebook is my sister and she'll give me information on when I I need to show up on Christmas or Thanksgiving. But my extended family, I blocked all of them, all the cousins, all the nieces, all the nephews, every single goddamn one of them. Cause you know, when they read my stuff, they didn't get it. Right. You know, and they would say stupid shit and I'm like, fuck them because. So without them seeing you, that stuff, do you get along? Yeah. So, so, no, so th- the reason why I blocked them is because I didn't want them to edit me because I didn't want to be writing something and then in the back of my head 
thinking, oh, I wonder Uncle how my Tom's cousin, gonna, yeah. my cousin yeah. is in the military. I wonder what she's going to think about this. No, fuck that. I'll just block them and I'll say whatever the fuck I want about go. the police, okay. about the military, about America, whatever. And so that helped me not edit what I okay. write. Okay, okay. Because you don't want to edit. You want you don't want to think while you're no, writing. No, you no, no, write, no. And then edit later and... You know, and so, um, yeah, I, I now on Facebook, I, I, I easily get at least fifty likes per everything I post. Okay, if not a hundred, sure. You know, so I mean, you're not you're not podcasting, but you've been on some podcasts. Yeah, I've been is on that, a lot of podcasts. Yeah, how, uh, how many is a lot? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I can't even count. Like I mean, double digits. Ask me to do okay, podcasts okay. Because I'm a comedian, and I've been in a movie and stuff. Now. Uh, when we were talking on the phone, you 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 bristled for a second because you said, "Now I, I've been on some podcasts where the thing just kind of oh." Uh, so I hope <laughs> that I, happened one time. I hope that I'm not. No, I told you we should just take all that politics out. That's just let's just talk about the music because all that politics. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to understand it. I mean, they're they're going to either call me a Trump supporter or that I'm crazy. I, I think people will there's, understand it, dude. There's so many people. Maybe it's just Twitter. I don't know, but there are a lot of people that support that um, that war in Ukraine. Well, I think that haven't we been conditioned to think that the Ukrainians need our support and need our help to fend off this big bad? Isn't that the message we've been given? Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah, I don't. I'm not saying. Do you I, believe it? I, I don't. I've never thought about it. Oh, you've never until really... today. Until oh, you. well, you didn't know about the Nazi. Problem I don't know in shit Ukraine. about shit. Oh, you don't. Yeah. Oh, well, if anyone tells you, it's what is the? Did you watch Ozark? A... Yes. I don't know I've shit seen... about fuck or oh, okay. F- fuck about shit, whatever. Uh, Ruth no, says. I mean, I've like I, I've I've read um, the history of the CIA, and yes, the uh, the U.S. has been supporting those Nazi groups in the Ukraine for since 1951. So uh, these were usually Nazis hate communists, and there. Yes, I know that Zelensky is Jewish, but that doesn't mean that they don't have Nazis in Ukraine. These are these are not like neo Nazis. These are like old school Nazis, where their grandfather was a fucking real ass Nazi. You know what I mean? Wow. Not a German Nazi, because when Germany went through Ukraine. During Operation Barbarossa, at least half the country collaborated with the Nazis to fight against the Russians. You know, um, did you know Finland actually was? Um, it's a fucking. Uh, um, uh, Finland actually fought on the side of the Axis. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't stop. Uh, <laughs> they didn't start uh, fighting against the Nazis until like 1944. Um, Finland uh, still has. Uh, their air force still still has a swastika. <laughs> For real? For real? Wow! Dude. It's it's either um you know one of those I could I'd have to look it up. I don't want to bore you. Sure, but sure. One of the topics when I read books, I I read every goddamn book. If I like a subject, I, I get hooked on a subject like the Nazis, the history of the Nazis. I've read I can't count how many books I've read about the Nazis and World War II. Like, it's like a again, subject like dozens? 
I can't, yeah, more than dozens. Wow. Yeah. And um, dude, there's it's it's creepy what happened after the war, where the Nazis went, the rat line. I bet how the Catholic Church helped him. Did they? The Catholic Church helped him. Yes. Fuck. A lot of them moved to Argentina and Chile, and the CIA used a lot of them during the Cold War in Central America. Sure. Fucking a Klaus Barbie um, actually helped start the goddamn cocaine. Um, trafficking you know so um so yeah that's one of the topics i know a lot about the cia nazis and ufos and oh re- religion okay so i've ever you should come every, back and talk yeah, to me about no, ufos and religion no, i want you to cut all of this out all of this one i want you to cut all this out let's just talk about music cut all the politics out because okay people are going to think i'm crazy okay i don't I you know what i don't really care I don't care what people think of me. You know, if they think I'm crazy, fine. Um, If they want to live with their fucking head in the sand, okay. But if you're curious at all, you don't need to look it up online. or You don't need to go to YouTube. Just go to the library. Right. Right. You know? Well, uh, last thing for you, um, Atel, fan, not a fan. Um, Yeah, kind of. I mean, he doesn't... Dude, after Bill Hicks, nobody can... There's there's never been a comic um, as good as Bill Hicks. Everybody is just kind of uh, a hack. Are you? Do you does Attell rip off Bill Hicks? No, oh, no, okay. but he doesn't. When I listen to Dave Attell, it sounds like he's just telling jokes. He doesn't do any groundbreaking shit. What's like, wrong with that? Well, Hicks was talking about goddamn. When I when I first saw Hicks, this is before. Um, any comic i'd never seen a comic talk about the bible actually i first time i saw hicks he had like 10 minutes on the bible dude like at the time nobody the only other comic that was talking about god or the bible was sam kennison so but they both started together but i mean with hicks he had insightful jokes he was fighting against the assholes of this world that that want to enslave everybody and he, he taught he he evolved he his his comedy helped people evolve. I mean, to me, um, Dave Chappelle is just a joke teller. Yeah, he's just a creative joke teller. Jesselnick doesn't turn me on. He I don't see him as being edgy. He's just um he's a guy that. So for you, a comic has to be edgy to have value well, or to no, be good. I guess it's like it's the difference between um. The Clash and um, fucking uh, um, Lady Gaga. Okay. Like, does Lady Gaga say anything important? I don't think she's trying to, is she? No, no. Yeah, but I mean, no, but like The Clash, you listen to their lyrics, they're talking about Sandinista, they're talking about, like, The Clash only wrote one love song. All of their songs are about politics. Right. I mean, uh, Joe Strummer said it, it's not about God or law or the government, what's the point God, just, of writing somebody, the goddamn song? I was just watching somebody talk about Joe Strummer. Joe Strummer, yeah, he's like one of my heroes. Okay. You know, so Bill Hicks, Joe Strummer. Um, oh, it's yeah. uh, Huberman from uh, Stanford. He was ta- he was on uh, Segura's Two Bears, One oh, Cave. Oh, really? This week, uh-huh. last week, and mm-hmm. fantastic. I mean, he's really sharp and everything. Oh, I like, I'll tell you a comic I do like, Eddie Pepitone. Okay, like okay. Eddie yeah. Pepitone. Um, I like some of Bill Burr's stuff. One thing that's going to really um, probably surprise you 
is I seriously like Kathy Griffin. I think she's okay funny because um, she does uh, kind of like what I do. What I uh, I started doing kind of pure improv on stage, where I was just talking off the top of my head, and um, she's got the Guinness Book uh, World Record. She's got the record of of the most stand-up specials of any stand-up comedian. So she's got some like twenty five stand-up. Comedy for real? specials that are yeah. all and 30 all minutes or an hour material. or yeah yeah okay and so it's easy for her because like she just if you watch her uh, watch one of her sets or not her set but her watch one of her specials she's just up there winging it she's okay. talking off the top of her head okay and she goes off on on um on uh celebrities oh so that's why i like when she nice. makes fun of these celebrities sure she she kind of takes them down a notch so no i wouldn't compare i wouldn't say that she's like a bill hicks but but she makes me laugh has anybody ever told you that you remind them of a tell uh yeah uh-huh. yeah people have told me but my they, they always say but your jokes don't remind me of Mattel, no no, but, no no but um per, the personality of him that you get on stage uh, uh yeah kind th- of sort of look i've had people mention that um, sure. but i've i've had I don't know. I tried to be more like myself. I didn't want oh, to no, become no. like Bill Hicks. Right, know? right. Well, uh, we're at two and a half. My kids yes, are going to be please, here soon. Please, let's end this. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not enjoyed yourself yes, at all? Yes, I enjoy myself. Okay, all I just, right. I'm going to come across as crazy. No, you're not. You know. You're not. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Talk right. to you later. Okay. Oh, James, jamesinman.com. <laughs> Should I have worn the um, goddamn headphones?